Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week is a bit of a throwback from September's Cannabis World Congress in Los Angeles. Ann and Lewis sat down with Josh Rothman, founder and CEO of Cresta Management Services, one of the first established staffing agencies to pivot into legal cannabis. Josh has been in the executive search industry for more than 15 years and has honed a relationships-first approach that defines the service philosophy of Cresta. Josh and his team of more than 15 recruiters takes the time to get to know both clients and candidates on a personal level, helping them to make lasting connections that serve the needs of both parties. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our discussion with Ann, Lewis, and Josh. Hey, Green Rushers, Ann Donahoe here. So like Shay said, this is a bit of a throwback all the way back to September, which in cannabis time is like six years ago. Um, but this is when Lewis and I were at the Cannabis World Congress here in Los Angeles. So please excuse some of the background noise you'll hear as we were recording it right on the show floor. We had a great chat with Josh Rothman from Cresta. Um, and what we thought would be a really quick kind of 10 minute interview turned into a great discussion that careened into the industry in general, the rapid professionalization of it and all kinds of really great stuff. So we hope you enjoy our chat with Josh Rothman, the founder and CEO of Cresta Management Services. Today is September 26th, and Ann and I are in Los Angeles at the Cannabis World Congress and Business Expo, um, talking with lots of really fascinating and interesting people about the business of cannabis. And, and we are talking with Josh Rothman from Cresta. And um, as I was saying to Ann earlier, I've been here all week. Thank you very much. Tried the veal. And it didn't land the first time. And it didn't land the second time. And that's okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just keep flinging the bad jokes out there. I just hope that veal was vegan. And also, I don't... <laughs> it I, is I, LA. Oh, wow. Vegan veal, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. So you want to free the... It's, it's all just carrots in a cage? Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it tastes uh, kind of like veal. You just don't know what you're really getting. <laughs> so, so the other bad dad joke person uh, today is Josh Rothman from Cresta. Uh, and if, if, if you, like we, are not as familiar with Cresta as we should be, Josh is here to, to fill us in. So tell us, what is Cresta? Well, Cresta is actually a, a very unique brand. Um, we are a, a nationwide, if not global, staffing firm um, that is actually part of Macias Genie O'Connell one of the largest accounting firms uh, in the country, if not in the world, supporting the cannabis environment. So that would be MGO-LO, by MGO the way. MGO and LO, that's right. Uh, which, full disclosure, is a client of KCSAs. And, uh, you know, again, LO services capital markets clients. We service uh, advisory, raise money. We do pretty much everything. Um, but Cresta is uh, its own independent arm, and we do everything from you know, accounting placements, but we are really now starting to concentrate very, very heavily on uh, cannabis-related companies um, in the C-suite space. So we've, we've become pretty much the pioneer amongst huge firms dedicated to finding them top-tier talent to, you know, allowing them to grow and expand and, and uh, making sure that they 
can uh, survive and, and grow. Can you talk about the shift you're seeing in the caliber of candidates? Are they coming from non-traditional cannabis companies? Are they coming from CPG? Are they coming from financial services? Um, or are you seeing, you know, inter-cannabis companies kind of just jump around with... What I'm asking is, are there people with non-traditional cannabis experience entering the marketplace at a faster rate? And it's that is probably the question of the day, the question that I guess get asked all the time. To be honest... I would say 90% of my clients do not want people that are coming from other cannabis firms. Hmm. They want people that are coming from, from you know, regulated industries, um, you know, tobacco, firearms, et cetera, but they don't want people that are coming from one cannabis firm to the next. Why? That's a good question. The reason being is, is that they feel that if somebody's been at a cannabis firm for, let's say, two years, three years, that they may have been on the black market. It may have been an illegal cannabis firm. It wasn't legal at that part in the States, something to that effect. And so they're really looking for people that have, you know, a background in terms of what the cannabis organization does. Like, for example, if you've got a client that's heavily involved in the retail space or manufacturing, they look for somebody who's got heavy manufacturing or retail experience, you know, in a different environment. It's it's not necessarily coming from a cannabis organization. I mean, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, it does. but totally that's does. really where it's coming yeah. from right now. But, but on the other side of it, you know, a lot of these big cannabis companies have been stitched together by financial operators and not necessarily operators. You know, you've got people who know how to structure companies from a capital markets perspective. They know how to raise a, a ton of money, but they may not know how to grow at scale or how to set up a retail operation or how to set up a real unique supply chain system. You're saying that there is this disinclination to have historic, you know, illicit market participants get roles in the cannabis space. Is there still a role for these people or, you know, are the suits going to keep the, the historic stoners out? Uh, you know, I think that there's no way of predicting the future. I mean, but we've been doing this for the last 24 months now, um, consistently building the brand. And we're working with companies that are on the Canadian stock exchange. Some are getting into the Israeli markets, mm -hmm. um, you know, and obviously there's ones that are hoping that it's going to become federally legal and traded on, you know, NYSE and NASDAQ or whatever it might be. Um, I can't really answer the question other than to say right now Cresta has actively in our pipeline about 35 job orders among six different companies. All of these companies are valued at well over $50 million, and none of them want people with existing cannabis experience. What kind of salaries are we talking about? You know, like I said, Cresta has become a very niche market firm, so we do not do you know, the low-level bud trimmers. We are focused on C-suite executives that can help build out a company and help them grow. So we're doing people like controllers, uh, CTOs, COOs, um, you know, truly even... Truly executive. Truly executive placement. placement. We, we like to brand ourselves and call ourselves headhunters. We're going out and finding the best of the best, um, you know, from massive companies. For example, you know, we just placed a, a, a marketing director from uh, Mattel who had retail experience at a cannabis firm. They loved her because she was it a multi-state opera. Yes. We don't have to name names, even I'm, though I'm, I'm going to ask you to, but you can say I'm not. Um, but so, I might name names. So where did she land? Where did she land? Yeah. NorCal Cannabis. Great company. We're big fans of NorCal. 
in terms of salary, though, she was at Mattel. She now went to NorCal. Was it a step up in compensation, a step sideways, or how, how are these compensation packages it's, structured? It's very it's it's a, it's a very very good question. Um, y- and the reason and, and the reason I ask is our audience are people who are either potentially hiring, looking to be hired, or investing in these companies and getting an idea of of you know what's going on from a comp perspective is important. So. You've got a, a very diverse way of compensation. I, I would say that you're seeing these cannabis firms throwing money at quality people. And when I say throwing money, you're getting a compensation package that's at least 20% above what they're making. There's a sign-on bonus. There's a guaranteed bonus, which we'll talk about in a minute why that's important. And then there's an equity structure. And the equity structure is the biggest, most important piece to anybody that wants to enter the cannabis space. Even right now? Even today? Yes. Okay. 95% of my candidates say, is there equity involved? <laughs> right. They're, they want to align incentives, right? So they know that the better that they do for the company, the better they're going to do on the stock. And with, with the stocks being so far down over the last you know, four, five, six months, it's actually a good time to get into an equity position because your, your options or your strike price are going to be so low. Well, I think I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think the bottom line here is is that you know people are giving you know Class C shares, right? That really don't mean. I'm sorry, which which kind? Class C shares. Class C shares. You know, okay. that's the actual share that most of these places are giving out. You know, and look, it, it, it's it's documented, but again, the shares mean nothing unless there's a sale, unless it goes public or whatever. So it's an incentive to get somebody to come over. The biggest incentive that I find is is that. Without naming names, but we can if you want. Um, <laughs> Name you, names. The average bonus okay. that we're seeing, and it's not a discretionary performance bonus, it's a guaranteed bonus, is anywhere between 15 to 30% of base salary. And that's massive. By the way, that so does not can, play for PR firms. Where no, can, sorry, can't get you that. Damn. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was my next question. Sorry. No, my actual next question was, yeah. can we plug uh, a website where people who are listening who are interested can find out more about either jobs you know, or yeah, cre- anything else about Cresta? They can go to crestamanagementservices.com. Um, we're all over the place. There's a portal for applying for jobs. Um, it also has jobs that are listed out there. But, I mean, if you find me or any of our other 17 recruiters who do this, um, you know, we can basically find that perfect job. But, but again, to be fully transparent, the positions that we focus on generally have a starting base salary of $100,000. And they are, you know, they're not all executive level positions, but they are uh, mid-tier positions and up. There, you know, we talked a little bit about how the the initial management teams for the the multi-state operators tended to come out of Wall Street, right? They were finance guys. And the boards of these companies are starting to look at them and say, all right, time to operate. Are, are you seeing searches for CEOs, presidents, chief operating officers that you know, are being facilitated by both boards and current management? I mean, how, how are these types of jobs percolating up and where, where are the best opportunities? You know, it's very interesting. I mean, like I said at the very beginning of this, of this conversation, you know, we're affiliated with LO and MGO. And as a result of that, you know, we do all the staffing for LO. I mean, obviously. And LO is hiring for its capital markets group 
um, you know, investment bankers that are coming mm -hmm. straight out of Wall Street. I mean, we're talking, you know, at the top of the top. We want people who understand the buy-sell relationship, who know how to do the investments. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I believe that the capital markets, you know, idea of raising money is going to be massive. And we're going to end up picking up more and more positions um, like this in the near future. You know, because at some point, right, you have to look at the fact that once we finish with a company building out their entire accounting firm, what's next? Well, I mean, or their accounting division. I mean, it's we could go to marketing. You can go to technology. We can go to quality assurance. Um, and honestly, we've now got into the space with many companies where we're starting to find um, specialists that are on the extraction piece, you know, on the manufacturing side, which is something that's become really, really popular as people start to grow. How, how do you fill extraction if you're not getting it from the cannabis industry? I mean, are you getting it from perfume or where are you, where are you getting those experts? You know, in, in, in those particular positions, they might take a cannabis person. But yeah, perfume is one of those things. Anything that has a, um, a, a quality control aspect to it that has to do with manufacturing or extracting other chemicals, there might be a pharmaceutical person, something to that effect. Yeah, that's where we're finding them. So we cast a very wide net in terms of um, you know the actual position a and I'll tell you the people that we deal with they're rigid the companies they want what they want they're very specific on the job description and we're not really divesting outside of that specific realm what kind of questions are the candidates asking of the companies you know they want to know everything from revenue you know, they want to know everything from what what the actual, uh, you know, differences between their company versus Calix Peak, you know, versus NorCal versus, you know, a Green Thumb. Why are they different? What are they doing that's a different feeling? I mean, honestly, there is still a resistance to some degree about the longevity of the cannabis industry. So as recruiters, we have to be able to bridge that gap and tell and convince as to why the cannabis industry is safe, where it's going, why it's the right way to do it. I mean, look, there's still people out there that have religious connotations and don't want to get into it. When you are briefing a candidate prior to an interview, I mean, are you giving, are you, you do more than just like match resume to job. I assume that you pr prepare candidates if they're sitting down with Steve White at Harvest, you know, are you prepping them on understanding the company, on Steve's personality? What, like, what does a good recruiter, how do you differentiate yourself from a Vangst, for example? We do not just send a resume at any level to a client. The resume comes with a full, little, literally mini essay that tells everything from current comp expectations to what their communication style is like, their technical expertise, where they live. Um, it, you literally know everything about the candidate prior to actually meeting that person face to face. We do full on video conferences with our candidates if they're out of state. We do telephone screens. We sometimes do personality index tests. So it's a very comprehensive process. I mean, look, companies pay us a lot of money to do this, and they want us to vet out these candidates. So we don't just take a candidate from a monster.com or a career builder and send it into HR and say, here, here's the resume. We are vetting candidates, true headhunting, going into big firms, selling them on the new opportunity, qualifying the candidate, making sure it matches the job description, and then 
putting that candidate in front of the hiring manager or director at the prospective firm. Is there a unique personality style that fits best for can cannabis that may not work in other industries? It's a good question. I, I would say, you know, most of these firms, these cannabis firms, since they're new right. um, in general, are looking for the roll-up-the-sleeves mentality, looking for that go-getter, looking for the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, they're not looking for somebody that's willing to sit behind a desk all day and just, you know, crunch papers. That's not what they want. You got to also remember that on the accounting piece of this, it's very different. Most of my companies are looking for people with SEC public filing experience. They want people who understand, and I'm going to use some words here that you guys might not even know, 10Q, 10K experience, which is basically how do you get, you know, my prospective firm involved with being able to publicly trade eventually. I promise you, not only do Ann and I know what 10Q and 10Ks are, wow. and S1s and F1s and all of the other oh. public filing documents, Beautiful. but more importantly, our audience does. Okay. Right? These, the, you know, the, you know, you're speaking right now, Josh, and we're speaking with Josh Rothman from Cresta um, to the, the investment community. So, you were talking about LO Capital, which is the new broker-dealer part of LO, the MGO-LO alliance. Correct. Um, and you had mentioned that you're starting to see Wall Streeters come over. Are we seeing it from bulge bracket banks? Are we seeing it from the Merrills and the Bank of Americas and the Goldmans? Or are we seeing it more from the mid-tier banker, the Jeffries-type uh, Cowans of, of the world? I mean, I can tell you the last few placements that we've done at LO have come from Deutsche, um, you know, from Goldman. Um, we're, we're, we're talking very, very high-end uh, people that are used to making hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. Um, and, and I'll be honest, this is, a, this is a question that many, many of my people give me. Um, when we look at this, a lot of these people are coming over for decreases in salary, decreases on that side because they see what the upside potential could be on a buy-sell in that particular market space, in the capital market space. You know, they look at it like there's massive upside potential and aren't necessarily just here for um, that short-term increase in monetary value. What is the, so uh, we tend to ask this question of all of our guests, and we usually prepare them ahead of time, but you know what, fuck put, it. Put me we're, on the spot, shit, I don't on, care. So part, I'm a big believer in failure. Right. That that you don't learn from success. You learn from failure. Right. Right. Because after you have had often a catastrophic failure, you're able to go back, analyze what your mistake was and do your best to avoid that. What's the biggest mistake that you have made professionally, personally, that you're willing to share? And what did you learn from it so that you didn't repeat it a second or a third time? <laughs> My HR department failed to do a comprehensive background check on a finance candidate, and the candidate, unfortunately, <laughs> was wanted for third-degree larceny. Whoops. All right, and what was, the le what was the lesson you took from that, and how did you, what, what did you do to change to avoid that again? No candidate in any financial position gets even submitted to any client without a comprehensive background check that is now done by a former FBI investigative agent that literally knows more about this person than maybe that person's wife or husband. Is that agent on staff? He is not on staff. He's outsourced on purpose because I want it to be a third party that has no affiliation with Cresta, MGO, or Ello. Right. 
you know, we mentioned earlier that, that the stocks for the, the cannabis industry are way down. And Don't I know that, by the way? <laughs> we all do, right? Everybody does. You know, I'm getting emails and texts from friends who have invested <laughs> in some of our clients going, yep. holy shit, I'm down 50, 60, 80%. Should I sell? But that's not the, the point of the question. You know, some people would argue that we're still in the first inning of the cannabis industry. Others would argue that we're in the third inning of a nine inning game. Where are we? Is this is it time for? Is there still opportunity for entrepreneurs to get into cannabis, or is it really for people who have an entrepreneurial spirit? Would you argue that as opposed to rolling the dice and starting your own gig, should you look for a better, more well-established place to to join as a team member? You know, it, it, that is a, a an extremely tough question to answer, but I'm going to give you my honest. Opinion. I, Please, I, I, I would prefer you not to lie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I try not to lie. I mean, one thing, one thing in the in, in in the recruiting world that I've learned and I've trained and taught is my recruiters to be straight shooters. We do not fuck around. We basically tell the client as it is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we tell the candidate as it is, and that's why we're successful in what we do. But here's the deal: the market is saturated. There are so many people that want to get in, and the barrier to entry right now is at a point where it's almost closed. I hate to say it. As an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. Really? It's, it is getting to be very, very difficult. The cost to enter is expensive. I mean, you know, if you get in, you got to have cash, or you got to come to LO, <laughs> you know, for raising money. Right. Um, you know, but I'm looking at it down the road and forecasting, hey, you know, you look at all these firms like Acreage and all these other places that are getting consumed, you know, by the big boys in the, in the industry. And Acreage is a big boy. And Acreage is a big boy. It's, you know, it's a client, right? You know, so they're, they're getting consolidated to form these massive multi-billion dollar organizations and then you've got the smaller boys that are out there you know thinking oh my god what are we going to do how are we going to compete so it's it's there is you know a little bit of ambiguity in the marketplace right now as to do i get in where do i invest what's the right play how do i invest i mean that's that's what's happening so I, it's, I can't answer it definitively. I can only tell you what I'm seeing from a marketplace, and we cover the entire United States. I mean, a lot of our business now is, I mean, most of our business is California-based, but Eastern Seaboard has become massive. You talked about uh, your career recruiter. Correct. What made you decide to get into the cannabis space? Uh, it's pretty easy. MGO bought Cresta. Um, and, and, and okay. how high were you when that happened? <laughs> I was, I mean, that was the stupid, no. <laughs> Evan, he didn't mean it. No. Well, Evan, it's actually true. Um, it, it, honestly, it was the, it was the exact reason why I decided to sell Cresta. Cresta was, or merge Cresta, I should say. Cresta was a, was in a, was a CPA firm, dedicated search firm. We focused on basically doing recruiting to the CPA community all across the country. Um, we were MGO's largest provider of their accounting talent, um, placing auditors and tax people and you name it. We've made, I don't know, uh, over 100 placements for MGO in the last 15 years that I've been doing recruiting um, in general. And, you know, Kevin O'Connell, the managing partner and CEO of, of MGO, were very, very good friends, came to me one day and said, do you want to merge in. I said, no, that was seven years ago. He tried again, you know, three years Why'd ago. Why'd you say no? Because I wasn't ready to, to give up my ultimate freedom 
and do what I want to do. Um, but, you know, last year, because the merger happened in May of 2018, um, I knew what the cannabis industry was doing. And I knew that that was a way that we could make some serious, serious money based upon the LO-MGO relationship. So we took it to the next level and we became MGO's internal staffing organization. I continued to service our external book of clients that we have. And at the same time, we're now the, the cannabis gurus to LO-MGO and you know, probably another 50 or 60 cannabis firms across the country. You know, recruiter fees can be anywhere from 20 to 30, 33% of annual salary, um, which is not an insignificant nut to swallow for uh, a company that's hiring. Are your fees in line with that, or, or how, how does your fee structure work? You know what, we're, we're probably one of the only firms that's a little bit negotiable, I would say. But yes, in general, you're accurate in terms of that. I mean, we, we have three different programs. We don't just do, do permanent placements. We also do temp where we'll put in a, a stopgap um, for a few months until we're able to find a permanent placement. Um, but in general, yeah, we're between 20 and 30%. Um, a lot of times we'll take a retainer, um, which is you know a portion up front, uh, but we do it differently. It, the client gets a, um, a really nice guarantee. We'll re we will refund the money to them if we don't find that person because that's how confident we are that we're gonna find the, the right individual. The money back guarantee. Yep, that's it. <laughs> so you've been really generous with your time. We really appreciate that. We have one last question for you. All right. We call it while you were sleeping. Um, what do you think the media is missing? What what article would you like to wake up tomorrow and see on the front page of the LA Times or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal? I would say the positives of the cannabis industry. You hear a lot of negatives, you know, investing, stocks are down like you mentioned, you know, what's gonna happen with banks? Are they gonna regulate it and allow Wells Fargo to deposit money into your accounts, things of that nature? You know, I think there needs to be more positive attributes. And I also think that in my personal opinion, and even in my own life, um, I have several, um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to say this, I have several family members um, that have gone through major cancer um, related uh, illnesses, including my own son. Um, I'm so sorry. You know, don't be, yes, and I appreciate that. Um, he was two years old, and um, I'm going to tell a story. He was diagnosed with leukemia and was treated with traditional chemotherapy. He's now 10, and he's fine. He's perfect. He plays flag football. He looks normal. You wouldn't even be able to tell. He's a crazy, rambunctious Indian, literally. <laughs> He went to the best doctors in the world. Fortunately, we were fortunate to know where those were and, and he got treatment and, and was treated appropriately. However, I'm gonna end on this. The doctor who's the chief of oncology, hematology oncology for pediatrics at UCLA, we were on his last treatment, we were talking about the cannabis industry because at that time it was just emerging and we knew that there were CBD and something called Rick Simpson oil, which I'm sure you're aware of. And I said to the yeah. doctor, I said, do you think you'll have a job in 10 years? And that was five years ago. He said, no. He goes, I don't think we will be using traditional chemotherapy for treating people with cancer. So I said to him just about a month ago when Cooper, my son had his you know, long-term care follow. I said, so, it's been five years. How you doing? He goes, I'm starting to look for work. Wow. He was joking, of course, but 
I asked him, do you think cannabis? And he stopped me and he said, yes. He goes, that is where we are going. Medicinal, marijuana, cannabis, whatever way you want to call it, is going to be the wave of the future. So is f- to answer your question, Anne, what do I want to see? I want to see the media starting to drum up <clears throat> more publicity on medical marijuana and its effects on not only just a cure, but mitigating nausea, mitigating the symptoms that everybody in the world faces when they go through cancer because it's a devastating disease. And I am a huge proponent that there is something out there, whether it's internationally in Israel or in Germany or wherever, that will ultimately be able to cure the word cancer. So that, that I'm preaching now. Okay? Preach. I'm a preacher now. Preach. Rather than a recruiter because I have personal stories behind it. And to be honest, this is where my money is being invested right now. So, Josh, uh, once again, for our audience, where can they find you on social media and where can they find Cresta? So, I mean, Cresta Management Services is uh, CrestaManagementServices.com is out there. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Joshua Rothman on LinkedIn and you'll see me all over the place. We post constantly about our jobs. Um, about the ability to find people for companies. So there's really no shortage of being able to find Cresta. Just look up Cresta. You can Google it. It comes up you know, very easily readable on, on, on the web. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope, hope you come and find us and give us a shot. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Our thanks to Josh Rothman, founder and CEO of Cresta Management Services. Find out more about them at Cresta, that's C-R-E-S-T-A, managementservices.com. They've got some great content up on their blog and they really have their finger on the pulse of the jobs in the cannabis space. So definitely check them out. And as always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore green rush or on Instagram at the green rush underscore podcast, or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. Don't forget to subscribe to subscribe, subscribe to the green rush in your favorite pod catcher. That's one take, Shay. One take.